Hello and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Shenanigans Podcast, where we review the games we've been playing and discuss board game-related topics. My name is Bob. And I'm Natasha. This week, we are going to be reviewing Shake That City. It's a newer game by AEG. And then we're doing it. We're going to be reviewing my number one most dis the highest rated most disliked game i guess is the best way to describe it which is concordia yeah overhyped game yeah so i finally got a chance to play this a few times so you guys talked me into it and Mm -hmm. i decided that i would give it another try so i've I've played it a few times i'm we're gonna share our opinion on that in the discussion topic i am going to be sharing my top 10 games I'm looking forward to checking out at Gen Con. Gen Con is next week. Uh, Natasha and I are both going to be there. So if you guys want to meet up or whatever, shoot us an email. We'll definitely meet up. And yeah, so I'm you know I love the vendor hall. So you know I'm going to be checking out games. So I'm going to give you my top 10 games I wanna, I'm looking forward to seeing in person. But before we get into any games at all, we need to have a discussion. Uh-oh. Not so much a discussion, but as you know, Natasha likes to keep active. She does softball. She does her walks, and she has now joined a new sport. Uh huh. What is that? What is that sport, Natasha? Bowling. I'm excited. <laughs> Have you bowled it, before? Yeah, I've bowled with my friends, and I bowled in college actually, like uh, a semester. I did, was not a team. I just bowled for a semester. Unfortunately, I was hoping that I would learn like some you know how to bowl and get better at it i never did improve my 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 score was the same at the beginning as it was at the end so i'm some you know we're trying to practice coordinate practicing it's been difficult i'm like i don't know that practicing is going to help because i'm i don't seem to improve you don't think practice is going to help you at all at all no i i think it would i just i'm just teasing (laughs) i was gonna say what if your softball uh team said that to you well i'd be so mad (laughs) So do you have do you have your own bowling ball? Do you get your own bowling ball? Yeah, yeah. A buddy of mine gave me uh, one. He works at the bowling alley, so he got a bowling bowling ball, a, a real a real one that you, not like the ones you rent. So I'm excited about that. I think that'll make the world a difference. I heard that that helps. <laughs> a real one, not not a fake bowling ball, but a you real know, one. No, not the cheapo ones that you can borrow at the bowling alley. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um. What kind of ball is it? It's, it's a bowling ball. I yeah, yeah do you don't i understand that but like do you know anything else about it at all whatsoever yeah, i think it's eight pounds and it fits my fingers <laughs> my fingers fit in the holes that's how i know it's right for me so the, here's the thing all right i bowled for the longest time so i was a big bowler like in high school i did a lot of juniors i did a lot of high school bowling you know, I did a lot of bowling as an adult and I, I gave it all up probably, you know, my dreams of being a competitive bowling champion was given up, you know, a handful of years ago, probably like eight, 10 years ago. So you going into bowling is just so interesting to listen to. You're like, it's a bowling ball. Well, what kind is it? Is it like reactive resin? Is it a urethane? Like, is it plastic? You know, I don't know. It's just a bowling ball and it fits my hand. Okay, cool. Like, there's nothing else you know whatsoever about it. Anything. Does it have a name? It has a name on the side of it. What is the name on the side of the bowling ball? I don't know. I did not look at it. Did he measure your, like, span and stuff when he drilled the ball? Do, like... No, it was given have, like, to gripped... me. It was a used ball that was given to me. He didn't even drill it for your hand? 
It was already had holes in it. That's not how that works. You know that's oh. not how that works, right? No, I don't understand what you're saying. So he didn't actually like measure your hand and drill the bowling ball specifically to your hand size? No, because it was already drilled. It already had holes in it. it was somebody that's not that that's not okay. Go ahead, continue. Okay, I'm sorry. It was drilled. Somebody already. had donated the ball. Yes. And I got I got it. And it fit your hand perfectly. I mean, it put my hand good enough. I don't know what perfect looks like. You have a lot to learn, young one. You have a lot to learn. <laughs> I don't it's going to be a long season. I don't think it's going to be that type of a league. I think we're just going to, it's just going to be like a beer and ball league. I don't care what league you think like isn't that kind of league. There's going to be bowlers on that league that are. That's fine. But like they so. don't, they're not going to ruin my fun, you know. So what are you going to do when everyone else is drinking beer? What are you going to do since you're not a big drinker? I'll just bowl. Just, I'll drink water. Yeah, get hydrated. Sure. Yeah, that'll help my game. Yep. That's If there's one thing I know, having bowled as many years as I had, water improves everything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll take up drinking beer. I bet you they serve cocktails. I like cocktails. Oh, they guarantee they, yeah, they, guarantee they serve cocktails. Yeah. Now you're going to get addicted to Club Kino. Do you know what Club Kino is? Is that the video game that they play? N- no, not exactly. So there's usually in bowling alleys, there's going to be a bunch of monitors, which is like... Uh, you know, one to a hundred and you pick a set of numbers. And if you get so many numbers right, they pay you out. You know what I'm talking about? Gambling. Yes. Gambling. You know what Kino is? No. Oh my God. I, yeah, I think I'm going to fit in with this crowd. <laughs> I d- <laughs> they don't do trivia either, do they? No, I've, well, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's leagues that do trivia, but I can't imagine. <laughs> no. If you don't know what Club Kino is, man, you better bring some, you better bring some money, bring some cash. You're gonna need cash. Bring cash. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into some game reviews. I'm rule report back, and half the season's done, which is gonna be like <laughs> December. They handicap the players, right? Like I'm, I'm yeah. not gonna be out there like competing no, no, with no, these no. guys that are amazing. Yeah, very rarely are you going to be involved in a, or very rarely are you gonna be involved in a league that doesn't have some sort of handicap. There are very few scratch leagues. There are those ones do exist, but in order for everyone to be competitive, it's usually a percentage. So it'll be like ninety percent of two twenty. So what you do is you take, for example, let's say you average two ten, you subtract it from two twenty, which is ten, and you get ninety percent of that ten. So you get nine pins. So it escalates as you so if you're at like a hundred, you get a ninety percent of hundred and twenty. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's what that's how handicap works typically. Some leagues do like a hundred percent of two twenty. Some leagues do ninety percent of two thirty. Like there's a ton of leagues that, and it just varies based on what the league does. Well, Every I've league been decides promised, for themselves. I've been promised this is this is fine that I don't know how to bowl and that it'll be fine and it's just for fun. Sure. So if it's yeah. not, that's not that's not on me. You've been lied to. Then you've been lied to. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some board games, huh? Let's let's deviate from bowling into board games. All right, this week I want to talk about Shake That City. This is a city building game designed by Mads Flow and Kari Thorndal Jire and art by Olga Kim. Side tangent. The worst part about being on a podcast and doing reviews is naming the people involved in the games. Especially when you've like never I'm, heard their names before. I'm horrible at them. So I apologize to any name I've ever messed up this entire thing. Anyway, Shake That City is published by AEG. Side tangent there. 
It's going to be a fun episode, people. In Shake That City, players will be competing to develop the best city. They will be doing this by building patterns of city tiles onto their board based on the patterns of cubes that is created by the Cube Shaker. So this game has a gimmick, and that gimmick is the Cube Shaker. So the first player will take the Cube Shaker, shake it up, and then there's a little release that they're going to release a 3x3 grid of cubes. Then that player will choose one of the colors of cubes displayed and then form that pattern in their city with those building tiles. There are five different cube colors that correspond to the different tiles in the game. It is important to note that when you create the same pattern of tiles, it's based on how the cubes orient are oriented facing you. So once the first player has chosen the color they want, the other players are allowed to choose any of the remaining colors. This is basically the game. Players will be choosing buildings they want for 15 rounds, and then they will score. Each building has a different scoring condition. So, for example, red home tiles will score two points for each group that you have of them. Gray roads will score one point for every tile that is connected to the outside of the board. Parks will score one or two points if they're adjacent to homes or factories. Shops will score points based on whether they're connected to the outside of the board via roads. And finally, factories will score if they're adjacent to one another or to roads. Finally, there are, at the start of the game, there will be gold tiles that are placed around the edge of your board. And if you accomplish those goals, you'll be able to gain those points as well. And then whoever has the most points wins. I think what makes this game unique is that cube shaker, as much as it's a gimmick, it's it's actually kind of fun and it does create it does allow to create like interesting decisions because it's based off the patterns that that cube shaker makes. Yeah, I don't think it would work without the cube shaker. You'd have to have another way of like randomly selecting that pattern. I think it it works really well and, and it's a gimmick yep. that works. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's it. I don't know how else you would be able to really create a random pattern. The only thing I could think of is like you'd have cards and you'd flip over cards, but it almost it would take too much time. If that makes sense, there's a specific number of cubes for each t- building type, so there's going to be more of certain cubes than there are of other cubes, making it a little bit more likely that these cubes are going to be packaged together. Not to mention when you shake the cubes and you release the pattern after you're done, you take the cubes and put them back in. Chances are very likely those cubes might not be in the next set of nine that come out just because they're reloaded in there. And usually that cube shaker is already kind of loaded for the next round in a little in some ways. So you can kind of hedge your bets on what you're going to be seeing next. Um, This game's light. It there's not a ton of new things you're going to see game to game. You know, most of the replayability is going to come in those patterns that are going to come out from your cube shaker. You know, once you've released those patterns and then just using those, using those patterns to create the best kind of city that you can on your player board, trying to score as many points as you can. And as, as much as it's not necessarily replayable, I think the puzzle of like, where am I going to put this? How am I like, this is the orientation that I get, you know, how am I going to place this on the, on the board is, is actually kind of interesting. Yeah. I like it. I think it, I like the little puzzliness of it. It's quick. It's simple. You know, you can teach it within like a couple of minutes and yep. in the, in the, it's the score, the way that the, each row scores is unique and you can focus on like either getting all the same type or just filling out the row. You know, do you want to focus on just filling out as much as you can or do you, you, I think there's some depth to this game. I think if you played it a lot, you, you would kind of, figure out like the good scoring opportunities and it could kind of become even more interesting and more strategic as you get better and better at it but you don't need to obviously you can just play this as a nice filler game every once in a while as well yeah 
Agreed. It's one of those games that the choices are interesting enough that you're always kind of hoping that you get something that will fit perfectly into your city. But it's not so overly complicated that, you know, it gets bogged down with rules. It's for the most part, it's fairly simple. Even those gold Mm -hmm. tiles, when they're wrapped around your board, they're going to be wrapped around two sides. And it's going to be something as simple as either have four of the same tile on this row or the row next to it, fill in the entire row. You flip when you accomplish that, you flip the tile and you get three points for it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really about developing and trying to put yourself strategically in good positions in order to maximize the points that you can eventually get. One of the things about this game that kind of drew me to it was how somewhat similar it was to Tiny Towns. So Tiny Towns is one of those games that like, you know, I grab a red cube, everyone grabs a red cube, that sort of thing. And I really enjoyed my plays of Tiny Towns. So I was kind of excited to check this like somewhat new iteration, kind of. Based on it, it has some, has some differences, but there's the feels slightly there. Because you're trying to set yourself up to be able to do the things you want to do later on. Yeah, it, it has a little bit of the same feel, but it's not as punishing. Tiny Towns, you, you play the whole game, you're like, oh, why did I do that? Oh, no, why did they choose that? Yes, oh, no. Uh, like, uh, you know, Tiny Towns is just like torturous, where this is like, ooh. Yeah, yeah, I can make that work. Ooh, ooh, yeah, yeah. And you can end up getting like a lot accomplished. You can focus on completing all those goals and you can complete them all no problem. Or you can focus on getting the best scoring opportunities with the tiles that you take and be really uh, strategic about what cubes you're selecting and what yep. tiles you're placing on your board. And so you've got a few different choices and and I, I like that. I think I like this a little bit better than Tiny Towns because it's not quite so um, painful to play. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would agree with that. It it provides a little bit of tension, too, and you know how much we like tension because you see that grid of three by three and you're just like, oh, man, like that pattern of row tiles, man, if I can get that pattern of row tiles, it's going to fit perfectly into my city. Mm-hmm. And then they take the, they're like, I'm going to take row tiles and you're like, dang it. So now you have to end up picking something completely different and just trying to work with what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, that That said, in this game, the other nice thing, too, is... So the first 12 rounds, the first player picks the pattern and then everyone else gets whatever's left. The last three rounds, it's just open. So anyone can pick whatever they want. So it doesn't, it's punishing in some regards, I guess, for the first 12. And then afterwards, it opens itself up to give you, um, to allow you to take whatever you need to fill in your city. Um, That said, if you can play something, you have to play something. So you could end up like, positioning yourself and then you put in some factories next to let's say some uh city tiles and those city tiles don't score anymore because they don't want to be next to factories mm-hmm. you know there are there are some negative scoring conditions i didn't go into in the overview but you know if a factory is next to a, a house the house doesn't score because it doesn't want to be next to a factory that sort of thing so i think it's still like it, it provides a little bit of that tension and the other nice thing about a game like this is oftentimes it's going to play differently at the different player counts. Because at two-player, you, you're you picking every other. You know, mm-hmm. in a four-player game, you're picking every four. Yeah. So there's less, you have less influence of what you're getting as the player counts increase. It didn't feel punishing to me because even if they chose what I wanted, I still have like three other options. Yes. So, you know, I was never felt like I was screwed over. It was just more filling in your board in a, in a way that will maximize the amount of points you score. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I... My one concern that I'm going to have for this type of game is 
how long will it hold my attention? It's going to need expansions. It's going to need different uh, scoring tiles around the edge of the board, giving me different, like, it needs to give me new ways in order to score points, in order for yeah. me to keep keep me engaged long term in this game. But for the most part, I liked it. I'm coming in at a seven and a half. I enjoyed it. Um, what do you think? What are you coming in at? I was I was kind of going back and forth between a seven and a half and an eight. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun and quick and light. I don't know that I'll play it that much to feel like I need more because I don't think it. You know, I just don't play these style of games that often. Sure. So for me, like I think it'll be just fine if I play it a couple times a year with this base game, it'll be completely fine. So I, I think I'm gonna come in at an eight. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's it's nice and light and easy and fun, but still interesting and challenging and, and really thinking. And I, I like everything about that without being too complex or too heavy or it's just the right fun lightness that I feel like I could teach a lot of people. Yeah. So who's this game for? It's it's a gateway game. It is a welcoming game. It is one of those games that I think will do well with uh, newer players. It is also one of those games that I've often talked about that's engaging enough for an adult, but still simple enough for a kid to play. You know, I'm often searching for those style of games so, you know, I can play with my kids and still be, you know, fully engaged and not necessarily quote unquote bored. Um, so I think it falls into that category too. I think it's simple enough, like I said, that kids can pick up on it. You know, we played with your son. He seemed to do pretty well he did get yeah. a gigantic group of houses um but, <laughs> which didn't score many points but that was him not quite annoying that the score how the scoring worked yeah fair not enough paying attention to the scoring i guess yeah yeah you can only keep his attention so long at least he knew the rules and then uh so yeah it's i, I definitely think it'd be good for that i think it'd be a good welcoming game that is shake that city all right, next up, I want to talk about Concordia. I'm nervous to hear what you, ha- you have to say. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Concordia is designed by Matt Gertz, and the art is by Mariana Fehrenbach, Matt Gertz, and Dominic Mayer. Uh, there's quite a few different publishers for this over the years. So Concordia is a hand management, route building, set collection game. On your turn, you're going to play a car- any card that you have in your hand, and your hand will consist of all the cards you own but you haven't played yet. When you play your card, it will go into a pile in front of you and you will carry out that action that's on that card. You you may move colonists around the board. You could build houses. You could collect resources or money or you could purchase new cards that go right back into your hand. There are also There is also a card that allows you to pick up all your cards you've played and then put them back into your hand. So the whole point of the game was to collect goods and money so that you can build as many houses as you can so you can collect more goods, which will allow you to purchase new cards. The cards you purchase will be similar to your starting cards, but with slightly better actions. But they're also going to each going to give you end game scoring. For example, a Mars card will score you two points for each colonist. So throughout the game, you'll be working on getting all your colonists out, but then you're also going to try to get more of those Mars cards so that you can double down on that scoring and um, get as many points possible out of those colonists. What makes this game so good is the different ways to victory. You can go heavy colonists or lots of houses or one type of houses, you know, maybe all over the different um, providences. And learning all those different strategies is a lot of fun. I also really like the, this card that everyone starts out with that lets you copy another player's card that they have just played. It's essentially kind of a wild card, but that needs to be played really strategically. And I think that little extra twist is what makes this game so interesting, interesting and beloved. What do you think, Bob? Concordia. What do I think? 
Well, I need to play it more. And here's the reason why. Okay. I So we played, the original time I played it, I did not have a very positive experience. And I was like, I'm done. And then you guys kept saying, hey, Bob, you need to play it. So I, we played it again. And we played incorrectly. Mm-hmm. One of the main things in the game, we, we played incorrectly. And I, because of that, the game felt long to me. So I was like, okay. It was long. It was very long because of yeah, that. Yeah, because we played slightly wrong. Um, long story short, you can move your colonists. And then when you move your colonists, you can build on the cities you're adjacent to. When we played it the second time, when I played it the second time, it was you could only build on one, but you could build on as many as you can. Mm-hmm. So it, it dragged the game out because one of the end game conditions is building all your houses. So then we, we played it again and we played real rules. Let's just call it real rules. By the rules, yep. It's actually, it's interesting. And I wish I could say that my previous poor plays of it didn't factor into how I feel about the game, but it unfortunately, it's going to. I think the game is good. There's some interesting things. There's like a decent amount of tension, you know, because you're always, you're, you're vying for all these spots on the board. And one of the things you can do is you can play a card and collect resources in a specific region. And if you're located in that region, and somebody else does that, you're basically getting resources without taking actions. I think that's interesting that you're trying to like piggyback off what other people are doing. You can end up, you know, expanding out as much as you possibly can. There's different scoring opportunities when you're you're getting those cards. So you're trying to figure out what am I going to try to focus on? Like you said, am I heavy on colonists? Am I going to scare score 8 million points on colonists? Or am I going to diversify and get you know, little bits of points everywhere you're everywhere from all the different scoring opportunities, that sort of thing. So I think that's really interesting. You're developing your scoring strategy based on the cards that you buy. The economy of the game is tight. You're always searching for that extra money or that extra resource. There's you're always wanting something that you don't have. Um, so I think in those ways, I think the game the game's actually really good. I think the board can be pretty busy after a while with everyone, especially if you're playing a higher player count, putting all your pieces down. I feel like it can get kind of busy with where your colonists, where your buildings, that sort of thing. But overall, I can see how people love this game. Yeah, it it was it's very, very popular. Um, it was definitely one of the high, highest ranked games. It's very beloved. However, I think it's getting a little dated. It's definitely has a dated look to it at this point. Yeah. You know, and it, and it even has a little bit dated feel like it's a little, like you said, a little busy. It's a little long for what it is. Really, you're just trying to get buildings out, collect resources to purchase cards. So it's got the set collection is really what it all comes down to is how many cards you end up having in your hand because that's how you're going to earn victory points. So, yes, I think it's a very, very good solid game and it was very, very good for its time. I don't know that it, it's going to continue being as popular as it's as it's been. I don't see new people coming into the hobby, picking this older one up and playing it and, and loving it as much as people who loved it when it first came out. You know, I think it's got a little bit of datedness to it. And 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 for that reason, like, I think you should totally check it out. If you can borrow somebody's copy, play it at a con, I think, you know, you should definitely play it and check it out. And experience the game but i don't know that it's not i don't know that if you're newer into the hobby that you need to go out and buy this game and get all your friends to play it because i think people that you know have loved it for so long have you know already really good at it obviously you know you probably don't want to play with them but then like new people aren't going to want to necessarily play it because it just looks really old and dated it does so it originally came out in 2013 the original version 
they mm-hmm. it did have a resurgence in uh when Concordia Venus came out, which was it 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 was basically a new core box. So it gave you some stuff and I think there was you could play teams with it, I think, or something like that. And that was twenty eighteen, I wanna say, twenty nineteen, when that came out. So there was a little bit of a resurgence when, you know, about five years after it was released, it got a new version, essentially. But I agree with you. It's one of those games that I can see how people love it. I can see how it would be a game that if I got over myself and was able to like look past my negative plays of it, that I would enjoy. But I don't know if it's a game that necessarily needs to, that I would need in my collection, you know? Yeah. Is it, if somebody was just like, hey, you know, we're going to play Concordia, I'll be like, okay, that's fine. I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, let's go sit down and play Concordia. I'm really itching to play Concordia. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that, it's that power grid type thing where it is an older design and, you know, the the board can get busy for a lot of people, you know, trying to figure out where you're at, what what resources you're getting can be, especially for a new player, it can be pretty overwhelming. I do love the fact that it has a score track, but you don't score until the end. And I think the <laughs> score track is one of those, it's one of those things that I call it like the, the Natasha way of scoring where, yeah, That's the where, best part of the game. You go go down the row and you just you're just moving the pieces and you're seeing, oh well, where's everyone gonna catch up? Where's everyone gonna catch up? It does that fun thing where you can invest so much into this one scoring thing, picking up every single one of those cards, and then you're just like, All right, two points, four points, three points, eighty points. You know, not eighty. <laughs> eighty would be pretty tough, but you know, you you, you can account get all these extra points just based off like what you pick, I think is cool. I think as mm-hmm. a the first time I played it. It was explained to me that that's how you score is based off those cards, but it didn't it didn't click, you know, because you're just building stuff and building routes and you figure you're going to score points build on building those routes. No, if you're not acquiring cards, you're not going to score points. You need to acquire yeah. cards. Yeah. The whole point of the entire game is just to be able to acquire cards. You do everything you do so that you can get resources to acquire cards. Yep, pretty much. I, I just I could think I could really see a new game like I I'm surprised that there isn't one a game that replaces Concordia that does everything Concordia does but simpler you know but still has that route building still has a resource management you know Century Spice Road has that card mechanic I think that's being you know definitely more popular now I don't think that they're close enough related to 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 replace each other it's not a simpler version of Concordia at all but yeah. I'm surprised that there hasn't been like a more updated modern version of Concordia. Because I like the card play. I think I think the cards are really cool, you know, but it's just a it feels like a really long way to get there. You do a lot and then you could end up not scoring a lot if you don't acquire cards. Mm-hmm. You know, that's at the end of the day. And you're trying to strategically place your buildings out. So you're gaining resources that you need to buy the cards, but then you need certain resources in order to build a building. So you're making sure you're getting that. But then at the same time, like you need to make sure you're putting, you know, your colonists out. So you need to make sure you have the resources to acquire a new uh, colonist when you play your pick up your cards card. There's a lot of things going on. And like you said, it you hit the nail on the head. All you're doing is trying to buy cards. If you don't buy cards, you're done. You're going to lose. And I think that first play that the reason I was just like, oh, yeah, I should be buying these cards. But in my head, I was just like, I don't understand why that card is any better than the card I have in my hand. They do the exact same thing, but you're just getting yeah. it for the scoring opportunity. Yes. You know? And so, so you can do more things before you waste a turn picking up all your cards. Right. 
I, I still like it. It still like calls to me like, ooh, I should try doing it, playing it a little bit differently and seeing how that works. Like I think there's a lot to to explore with this game. And so I certainly think it's still, you know, I still understand why people love it. So who's this game for? I would say it's for the the classic Euros who like like these classic games. You like Euro games, you should definitely try it. It's a classic. I think it'll always be a classic. You know, it's a, it's a beloved game for a reason. Um, if you are newer to the hobby, I don't necessarily think you need to go out and explore this game unless, unless you like these dry Euros, you know, unless you know that you're going to like this game. You know, if this is definitely your style, then by all means. But I think for the most part, this is this is just uh, a classic game that you, it's fine if you don't play it. I, I bet you someday there'll be a game that's like, this is like Concordia, but streamlined, you know. <laughs> except Except easier. The, and, and that's the other thing. That's the other thing too. Is if you end up, so let's say you end up picking up this game because you love those old Euro games with the boring colors and all that, and you pick it up and you love it. There is so much content for you yes. to pick up. There's so many maps that you can pick up, and each map is probably going to feel completely different. That sort of thing. So there's a lot of content within this game, so it could keep your game group, you know, going for quite a while. But so, what are you going to rate this game? I had originally rated it a nine. I pulled it up on Board Game Geek and had given it a nine. Um, yep. I don't know that I would keep that rating now that I've played it again um, and have played other things. I think I would probably just come in at eight for me at this point. Sure. So I'm going to give you an adjusted rating. I'm okay. going to come in at I'm going to come in at an eight. Wow. Um, yes, yeah, with all things considered, but I have I have corrected my rating to account for previous bad plays if it was just like straight up like how i felt coming into today i'd probably say like a seven but considering i think the game's good i think the game has a lot of strategic options i think there's a lot of things about it i think once you're you're always you're you're always trying to get that last resource you know there's that tension that you have with that and because of that i i it is a game that i think i should like and if i played more i probably will end up liking it a lot more yeah. So for that reason, I'm I'm coming in an eight. I think the game's I think the game is solid, but I also don't think it's a game that new people in the hobby should just go get. Like, oh, I gotta make sure I play Concordia. No, I don't think so. Play it at a con. Try to get it out at a con. Yeah. Find me and Natasha, and we'll teach it to you. I guess <laughs> something like that. All right. That's Concordia. All right, that is going to wrap up the games we are reviewing this week. We are going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we are going to be talking about my top 10 anticipated games of Gen Con. All right, welcome back. In this discussion topic, we are going to be discussing my top 10 anticipated Gen Con games. As you guys know, one of my favorite things to do at a con is to basically go through the vendor hall. Like I love going through the vendor hall. So leading up to Gen Con, usually what I end up doing is I like to go on Board Game Geek and they have like a preview. Um, these are the games that you can see at Gen Con. Cool. I'll go through that and I usually write down the ones I'm interested in. And I'll look at the exhibition hall, the vendor map, and I'll you know plan, make sure I have to hit this booth and hit this booth, hit that booth just to make sure I can see some of these games. So I'm going to give you the games I'm interested in. That said, I do want to mention some expansions first that I want to look at because um, I didn't make a list of expansions because why would I? 
Mm-hmm. First one is an expansion to the game Revive. It's Call of the Abyss. Uh, this gives some additional factions and some stuff like that. So I'm interested in that. Anytime you can give me u- more unique factions to play, I really like that type of expansion. Yeah. The Revive one will probably add, add um, some new cards in there too. I bet you it'll be a good one just to throw in there to add in really easily. More of the same stuff, right? Yeah. That's Tom Bassel always says more of the same. And that's those are the types of expansions I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one's going to be the Lost Ruins of Arnax, the Missing Expedition. Yeah. My understanding is this is going to be for sale. That's at least what it showed on Board Game Geek that's for sale, not demo. And this has like a campaign in it, which you know how much Ooh. I love campaigns. So I'm really interested in checking that one out. Ex Libris yeah. has an expansion coming out, which this game by Renegade, I own it. I like it. You're you're basically building a bookshelf. You're you're uh, you know trying to build the best library. There's going to be certain volumes that you want, certain volumes you don't want. You want to specialize. The number one thing that sucked about the game was you're doing a lot of these actions on these uh, tiles, these big placards almost. And the problem is the text on it is extremely difficult to read. So you're constantly looking at it to see what it does. Because of that, I don't think it's gotten much love. Um, mm-hmm. But it's coming out with an expansion, which I is interesting that the fact that I don't think the game did well enough to warrant that, but it's coming out with one and they're actually doing a revised edition. So I'm really curious to see if that changes the problem of not being able to read the cards. Yeah, so we'll see. I hope so. And then the last thing, Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition has a, a handful of expansions that I'm interested in. See what those are. Mm-hmm. To get into my top 10. Number one, uh, I will say there's not their Ticket to Ride Legacy is going to be there. It is not on my list. Because I want nothing to do with it. I do not want to look at it. I do not want to know what's going on with it. I want to buy it and play it and experience it completely by myself. You know, well, by myself with, it'll probably be me and Ashley, but I don't want to know anything about it. So I'm going to avoid looking at Ticket to Ride Legacy. So I'm just going to get that out of the way when people are like, why is it not on your list? Because I don't want to see it. Because you're already going to buy it. Yeah, I'm already in. All right. My top 10. Number 10. Charcuterie. The board game. <laughs> <laughs> so this is supposed to come out in 2023. And you're basically trying to build the best charcuterie board. So your chefs, you know, you're competing to draft meats and crackers and cheeses. And you're just trying to build the best charcuterie board. Um, What initially kind of got me to this is just the unique theme, right? I'm a sucker for unique themes. Anytime you can give me a theme that's outside the norm, I'm going to be interested in because I just think it's cool. Like a game about a charcuterie board and we're we're in the an age of board games where there's just so many unique themes coming out that something like this just kind of caught my eye. I mean, even looking at the thing, you have a little round board and you're you're drafting like grapes and carrots and different types of crackers and the different cheeses and the different cuts of meat. Uh, originally reading this, it sounded like it was uh, going to be like a drafting game there. It has a lot of like, I cut, you choose set collection and tile placement. So I'm wondering if where you're putting it on the board matters. Yeah. It says, it says arranging them on your board, but careful, consider, uh, your placement. So yeah, I think, I think it's where you place them. I'm in. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like tile placement about cuts of meat. I love me a good charcuterie board. You know how it is, man. When you grew up yeah. on Lunchables, 
You got fancy get a, lunch of all. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? My one yeah. of my favorite snacks at game night: meat and cheese trays. You know, I do love food themed board games. It's just I mean, fun. I love food in general, but yeah, yeah, it's fun. I I've been searching for a really good chef game. There's that kitchen rush, but it's like real time. Yeah, you don't like that. Yeah, and then there is that uh there there's another one we played. I can't remember exactly, but we played it and it just it, it didn't quite have the feel. So, something like this I'm really interested in. So, hopefully it's good. It should be coming out. I think it was just on Kickstarter not too long ago, but yeah, my number my number 10 is charcuterie. So you got to tell us how you made this list. Is this just everything that they are um, selling or demoing both? Yes, it could be. It could be either. It's just what I want to check out. So I went okay. through the list and I just, if, when I saw games that interest me, I put them on Pub Meeple basically. And when I saw games that interest me, I put it in there. I didn't care if they were a demo, if they were for sale. It does not matter to me when it comes to that. I'm not as strict about that um, distinction as you are. Like you don't want to test a game that you can't buy. Yeah, I'm not interested in demos. I'll wait till I'll wait until they're available. What I like specifically about demos is if there's a game I'm just like, ooh, this looks cool, and I demo it, and I'm like, mm, then I know when it comes out, I don't need to buy it. You know, so for me, I mean, there's games I buy that I won't play for six, eight months. So it is what it is. I'm just kind of used to it. So I don't know. For me, I don't care. I'm going to, if there's a game to demo and I can demo it and I know it's coming out to Kickstarter, cool. I can, I'm patient. I can wait. (laughs) All right. My number nine is a game called Bonsai, which is, uh, this is going to be a tile placing game where you're basically building a bonsai plant. Uh, You take on the role of a bonsai master intent and growing their own bonsai. So this game, like you're drafting, you're placing tiles. I am a little concerned that it might be a little solitaire just based on looking at it, but it looks like a cool game. So you're, you have like a little, your little pot and then you're basically drafting tiles and you're, you're these little hexagon tiles and you're just building it off your plant, creating a bonsai tree. I'm not exactly sure how it scores, but it just looked really, really cool. The artwork's cool. So I was, I was really interested in this game. It's got these beautiful cards. So you, you know, you've got your wood card, your, your, uh, looks like there's a watering can, there's some fruit cards. So it looks like there's a little tableau that you're putting in front of you, or maybe those are just the cards you played, but yeah, it looks really beautiful. Yeah, it looks super cool. It looks super cool. And then once you're done, you have a unique tree that you're going to be. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious about this game. I want to check it out. Um, it does play solo. So that is my one concern is when you're drafting, is it going to be good at lower player counts? But they they do talk about how it's somewhat of a solo um, style. Because if you take a look at full credits, it does say solo solitaire game. And I don't know if that necessarily means it has a solo mode or if it's you know le- less player interaction. But it's a drafting game, so you think it would be fine. Yeah. Tile placement, drafting game, definitely worth checking out. Super cool theme. The artwork's fantastic. Yeah. Everything about this game looks cool. I just hope it's complex enough for to keep my attention. You know, that would be my one concern. Yeah, the way that the cards come out and the, and they described here that you on your turn if you complete a a goal, you have to decide if you want to complete that goal or continue on to tr- try to um beat a harder goal. It kind of reminds me of that one game um with the painting and the deer 
Oh, it's a renegade game. Yeah, it's uh Kanagawa. Kanagawa. That's a, that's an odd name. That's why I don't remember that. Tokyo um takes place in Co- Tokyo. It, it reminds me of, it it sounds similar to that. Not just because of the theme, but the way the cards play out and the the scoring opportunities. Yeah, I haven't played that game, so the the other problem too is there's no like complexity rating or anything like that on board game geek, so I don't know how heavy it is, but it says eight plus, so I'm guessing it's gonna be light, a family light a weight game. Which actually is not necessarily a bad thing because if it's one of those games that again, like I said, bridges that gap, I'm all in. So my number nine, Bonsai. My number eight is Forbidden Jungle. I wondered if this was gonna be on your list. I I almost assumed I totally assumed it was gonna be on your list. Yeah. So I've I've always liked the Forbidden games. Um you know, starting on, I did Pandemic, then Forbidden Island, Forbidden Desert. They did Forbidden Sky, which I ended up getting and playing, and I just did not like. It was too gimmicky with everything like that. And I'm hoping Forbidden Jungle kind of brings it back to what the Forbidden series is. Yeah, it's in a tin. I mean, that's the problem, though, is get rid of the tins. Get that out of here. I don't that's need how you no know tins. It's going to be ghoul. That's how you ghoul. know it's going to be good. I read, I read. Fool's Landing, they have a Fool's Landing card. That said good at the same time I was reading Fool's Landing. Mm-hmm. So the jungle, you have to get to Fool's Landing. It looks like it's going to be more um, similar to Forbidden Island. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's Forbidden Island, but just slightly more complicated. I don't know. We'll see. I want to check it out because I've always liked these games. I think they're cool introductory cooperative games, especially for like family like Forbidden Island. I'll play with my daughter, Lila. You know, mm-hmm. that's not complicated enough. Forbidden Desert, I really like because of the shifting sands. There's no specific spot where things are. You have to flip over tiles and where they cross, uh, where their arrows intersect is where the pieces that you're looking for, that sort of thing. So yeah, this game, this game looks cool. I mean, you have little pieces connecting to the different tiles. So I don't know if that you're creating routes or if that's just how the board's set up, that sort of thing. But it's a forbidden game. I want to check it out to see if it's any good. So I've always liked the series. So my number eight, Forbidden Jungle. Next up, my number seven is a game called Galactic Cruise. Now this, I know for a fact, is coming to Kickstarter. And I'm really interested in it because at Origins, I saw it. And the designers were putting on demos for it in the in the board gaming the play area. And I really wanted to get in on it. It just it didn't work out. So I was able to chat with the designers a little bit about the gameplay and everything like that. And this is a game I really want to check out. It looks cool. It has ENO tool artwork. It looks like it's gonna be a, a really interesting game. I mean, it looks like there's a lot of cool things going on with this game. Like there's gonna talking with the designers, I'm really interested in trying this one out. It looks it has a look of a Lucerta game. It comes in that yes. same box size, and I bet yep. you it's gonna, probably going to be the same complexity. But it's just gorgeous with the you know two artwork and the the box is gorgeous. I don't know how much of the what we saw at Origins will be in the 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 game itself, but it's got a really nice clean white look to it. Yep. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one as well. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to check it out. It does have a really high weight, three eight six on Board Game Geek. It's hard to tell because again, the game hasn't even come to Kickstarter yet. That's the downfall of a game like this is I'm going to check it out and it's not on Kickstarter yet, so it's going to come out in a while. It says 2024, 
that seems a smidge ambitious if it hasn't even come to Kickstarter yet. Um, chatting with the designers, like the game's pretty much done. There's only just a couple things left that I think they have to tweak. But aside from that, yeah, this game looks cool. And maybe it is the you know tool artwork. Maybe that's what's dragging me in. But you know what? That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Sign me up. I yeah. love his art. I, I like the theme too. Build and launch shuttles to send guests on luxurious space vacations. I mean, yeah. It's, I mean, it sounds very Euro-y. Probably the theme doesn't matter, but it looks really good. Yeah. I mean, it does have that sci-fi theme, which is cool. Um, but yeah, the fact that you're not like going to colonize planets, you're like sending people on vacations. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious about this one. I want to check it out. So my number seven is Galactic Cruise. My number six game that I'm looking forward to checking out is a game called Sky Team. This is a two-player only game where a pilot and co-pilot are working together to land planes. So it looks like you got dice in it, and you're going to be rolling those dice and like doing something on a main board. But you and the person you're playing with are going to have little hidden screens, so it feels like there's going to be some hidden information that you're trying to convey with some of the dice rolls and different things like that. Um, I love me a good two-player game. This looks kind of interesting. The theme, again, gets me. The artwork looks good. So I'm I'm curious to see how it's going to play out because it almost, in some ways, reminds me of um, Captain Sonar where you're trying to work together, but you're on opposite ends of your like player board, that sort of thing. I don't know. It looks cool. It does have a really nice look to it. I like that it's two-player only cooperative two-player game like you don't see a whole lot of those i think that's interesting i'm i'm guessing it's got hidden information which i think would make it really good i think you it almost looks like you roll dice and the dice are set behind you and then you have to communicate how you're going to place the dice on the center board to land these planes it almost looks like Mm -hmm. but how they go about doing it i'm i'm curious in yeah two-player cooperative game where you're landing planes I, I like the theme a lot. I think it's unique. I like the look of it. Uh, I think that I would totally check this game out. Yeah, it looks cool. Well, it's a cooperative style game where you don't know all the info, right? So you, yes. that's the type of thing you, you enjoy. Yeah. Yes, I like cooperative games that you cannot play by yourself. If I could play every character, then I would rather play every character myself <laughs> instead of with other people. <laughs> Did you see the main board, how it has one of those like little, it is almost like this um, clear acrylic uh, dial that sits in the center that has a plane and it's it's the way you orient your plane to the horizon and it looks like you can adjust it accordingly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't know. It just it looks, looks really cool. nice. It's, it's, it's for 14 plus, so it's probably pretty complicated too, which I appreciate in a co-op game. Yeah. I don't know if it's for demo or specifically to buy. Hopefully it's to buy, but if not. There's no rating on no ratings on it, so I doubt it's out yet. Yeah, it seems unlikely, but at least I can check it out. So that is my number six Sky Team. My number five game. Uh, I don't think this list would be complete if there wasn't what appears to be a dry euro in it, and it's called Barcelona. And this is by Board and Dice. Uh, basically you're taking on the role builders and you're building 19th century Barcelona working on the new districts. It looks like it looks straight up like a Euro game. I mean, you got tiles that you're acquiring. Each player has player boards. It looks like there's a bunch of resources you're managing on it, going out and just building Barcelona. 
Is this cool, Mini, or not? I'm so confused. No, that so there's some no, it's uh board and dice. It looks like a it looks very dry euro-y, yeah. but I, I appreciate the boards. They look they've got some colors to them. So it you know, I appreciate that they're taking a dry euro game and adding color to it. It a- looks agreed. nicer than most dry euros, but you still know what you're getting into, right? You're not they're not fooling you here. Well, when you take a, if you take a look, you know, with you're placing your tiles out on the board, you're going to be putting your player pieces on it. So I don't know if it, I don't think it's an area control portion of things. I think it's just, you're the one who claimed that tile, that sort of thing. The pieces look really nice. The board looks nice. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, it's, I'm, I've really enjoyed board and dice with some of the stuff they're coming out. Well, they've done like Teotihuacan, they've done, you know, uh dice settlers they've done a lot of cool euro games so this is just another one that it's it feels like they're one of the design or publishers that are on my radar because i seem to like their stuff and it's a dry euro so wait on it's 3.75 yeah sign me up seems cool barcelona Mm -hmm. my number five the next game up is on the completely other side of the spectrum of euro game because it is not a euro game this is going to be straight up oozing with theme i bet and it's horror on the orient express the board game so this is a call of cthulhu game that is coming out from chaosium it needs to go to kickstarter it says release dates 2025 but it looks cool and it's based on the rpg call of cthulhu which i've played and i've really enjoyed and yeah murder on the orient express but cthulhu style you're trying to investigate uh, you know, the kind of who done it, that sort of thing. I'm curious to see if it's, you know, a one play only or if it's gonna be multiple plays. You're gonna be able to set up a variety of different end game scenarios, that sort of thing. But yeah, this game looks cool and it's like the number one on the hotness currently. As of this recording, it's the number one hotness game on Board Game Geek. So it's kinda hard not to not to see it, but like even the train looks cool on the cover. Yeah. I want to play this game. I mean, I liked the the investigate clues. That sounds interesting, but I'm not a fan of the Cthulhu. So you have to discover and hunt off the cultists to stop them from performing a hideous ritual, right? Call of Cthulhu, like straight up. But like, how replayable replayable is it? I saw it's got deck bag and pool building, which I think is interesting. But I probably won't play this one. No, it's it's too th- it's oozing too much theme for you. It looks too dark. I'm not a big fan of horror. So yeah, I'm really I'm interested in checking that one out. It looks cool. So my number four, Horror on the Orient Express. My number three anticipated game to check out at Gen Con is going to be Weird Wood Manor. Um, so this I saw on Kickstarter, and it looks cool because it the board, the main central board, it looks like it has like wheels that turn. Ooh. It it is a so it has these wheels that like almost like turn and I don't know as as you're like progressing through the game they're gonna turn and you're gonna have to deal with what's going on. It is cooperative, um. So you know Natasha's out, but mm-hmm. yeah, the magical rooms and pathways begin to shift as time progresses. So I think that's a really cool cool concept. Like I said, this I saw it on Kickstarter. Really fiddly. It so may be moving be. a lot of things around. <laughs> Uh, maybe 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 it's all good you'll be playing the game but then you'll also be playing with the game the entire time yeah maybe i don't know it just looks cool like it doesn't look like it's going to be bogged down like shifting is going to be difficult it's got some nice looking artwork nice i like the look of it 
Yeah, it looks super cool. And like I said, when I saw it on when I saw it on Kickstarter, I was I was real curious about it. But I they're going to be showing it off at Gen Con, so yeah, just I don't know. That just looks cool. It does. It looks like if you like the boss battlers, this is a different, unique way of doing it. Yeah, it looks it looks interesting. So cooperative game, your the thing is somewhat gimmicky. Man, I've been really digging gimmicks lately. That's you got me. It's got good artwork. You know, I'll give you that. I like that it's I like that it's a scary looking, but but it doesn't look horrorish, you know. <laughs> I like this t- style of horror be- above the Cthulhu stuff. This is more it reminds me more of like Scooby-Doo type horror where like yeah. it doesn't take itself too seriously, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I yeah. 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 It's got kids in it and stuff. I'd play this over the other one. I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those dang kids. <laughs> okay, so my number three game is Weirdwood Manor. My number two game is uh, going to be at the Arcane Wonders booth, and that is called World Wonders. You're buying tiles, managing resources, and placing the wonder tiles to create an ancient city. So it's tile placement, but it has cool 3D sculpted pieces. Like, you can put temples, you can put, like, archways. You can put all sorts of kinds of cool stuff on there. Like, it looks super cool. I don't know how complex it's going to be, considering it's coming in at 229, which isn't bad, but it's ages 12 up. Um, Can go up to five players. Yeah, this looks cool. You can build yeah. pyramids. Yeah. This looks really good. I like it. it, it it's got some cool pieces in it. It's, it. it's got some tracks. Polyominoes. Yeah. Totally up my alley. Has a nice look to it. Well, and the I think the addition, so you're getting a lot of just regular polyomino tiles, but the fact that you're getting some larger scale pieces to create depth on your player board looks cool. You know, so you have like wooden tokens, you have a wooden temple, you have a wooden church, you have, you know, wooden, you know, skyscrapers, that sort of thing, and you're just placing it on your board. So it has a really cool look to it. Looks like you're managing some resources with some these tracks and yeah, this, this one game should looks be cool. available available to purchase because I did see this at the on the hot gaming's table at um Dice Tower East. I never got a chance to play it, it was never open. It was always being played. I my understanding is it, it is for sale. So this is one of those games I knew for sure that was for sale because I was, when I first looked at it, I was just like, wow, this would have been my number one. But when I tell you my number one, you'll know why this wasn't number one. But this okay. game just this game just looks cool. It looks like a type of game that it has the aesthetic I'm looking for. I mean, you're building tiles on a board. Yeah, definitely want to check this game out. My number two anticipated game, World Wonders. And now finally, my number one anticipated game for Gen Con. When I tell you this title, it's going to be no surprise to any of you, and that is Great Western Trail, New Zealand. Oh, yeah. I almost like didn't include it because it's just kind of obvious that I want to see what this game does. And it, it, yeah, I mean, come on, it's Great Western Trail. You know, I, I own the original edition. I own the second edition. I own Argentina. I'm like, I'm going to get this game. And I just I want to see what it does differently in the the world of Great Western Trail. I'm kind of excited about this one actually. It's got sheep in it. So you're excited more about the sheep than you are like cows. You'd rather ship sheep than cows. 
It makes a difference well, to you? Well, because you can shear them. You can shear the sheep and then sell the wool. It See, that's what I'm wondering is if you can scooter. do that. Yeah. I bet you can. I mean, can. you have the same same kind of concept. You're hurting people through like these different things. The The game board looks cool. Yeah. Yeah. The same beautiful artwork. I mean, you wouldn't know by the box cover, but Great Western Trail actually looks really nice. Yeah. I think even the original looks nice, too, when you have it all like displayed out. Oh, the yeah. The box I cover like, in the original looks kind of meh, but these new I like the cows. All the cows are really cute. Like, all the artwork for the cows are super cute, so I'm excited to see the sheep. This has got a nice, bright look to it. Um, yeah, I, I like I like. The, I'm definitely excited about this one. Now, why wasn't Expeditions on your list? You know, that's funny you should bring that up because I was going to put it on my list, but um, I think I'm going to get a chance to play it before, before Gen Con. I may be getting my hands on a copy. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows these things? I don't. He's going to buy it regardless of if he demos it. That's what he's saying. That's the thing. It's not like, I'm not anticipating like that. Okay. You want to know. You're not wanting to check it out because you're going to No, like I'm just going to buy it. Like that's the thing. I'm not, I guess you could say the same thing about Great Western Trail or New Zealand, but that I don't think is available for purchase. I think they're just going to be showing it there. I don't know. I And how many Great Western Trail versions do you actually need? So you do you have them. to be a little picky. No, no you, you are going to get them. Order them. Okay. Oh yeah. Are you kidding me? I own the original edition with the expansion. I own the second edition with the expansion. I own uh Argentina. I'm going to own this. If there's going to be expansions, I'm probably going to own them too. Oh, this is like, okay. So Okay, well, I guess I was wrong about that. Yeah, you know, based on that logic, I should have put expeditions on this, but I'm hoping to, I'm hoping, hoping, crossing my fingers, that I will have experienced the game before Gen Con. That is my hope. So what else are you excited about Gen Con? Uh, mostly it's going to be the vendor hall. I loved, I love going through that vendor hall. Yeah. The problem with Gen Con is you, it's, it's not a con that you can go and play a ton of games at. You have to buy a, a pass for the board game library in order to be able to go there and it's, it's within a specific amount of time that you're there so it's it's not it's not one of those cons that is easily to be able to just sit down and play games origins a prime example they have a gigantic playing area now that you buy a badge you're it's included you don't have to buy a specific badge for that area you just go and you can sit down and you can play and you have access to the game library no big deal 24 7 well not 24 7 but you know within the the time it's open you can go whenever Gen Con is a lot more strict. I know there are areas where you can play games, but it's not like you have a library access to you. So if you want to play games, you almost have to bring them or buy them. So it's a it's a different feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to try to sign up for a couple RPGs, see if I can't get into a couple of those types of games. I know I, I have some friends coming in from out of state. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to actually hanging out with them it's been a while since i've been able to hang out with them you know there's some other friends of ours that are going to be there so just even interacting with them those are the types of things i'm looking forward to and this is your first gen con correct yeah i'm a little i'm a little nervous about being so busy and and i want to check out all these games i'm looking at this list of all the games coming out and i'm like man there's so many that look really really good but like the idea of like pushing through the vendor hall like where it's super crowded having to sit and like try to demo a game where like it's super crowded. Everyone's hitting you with backpacks. I'm a little worried about that, um, about enjoying that. So we'll see. I'm trying to go into it with an open mind, knowing what I'm getting into at least. I don't know if necessarily some areas are it. I don't want to say it's like 
as easy as Origins because it's not. But I don't necessarily think it's quite as bad as what people make it out. The problem is there are times where you'll get clustered into a big group of people. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've been walking around like pretty free and then all of a sudden like I'm just into this massive like crowd of people that are trying to like go through this cross section. Mm-hmm. You know, so sometimes that happens. But aside from that, I don't necessarily think it's that bad. So, yeah, uh, you know, I think Gen Con is a cool event. It's different than a lot of the other cons that we go to because it's not necessarily as focused on like getting games played. But there's just something about it because it, it was basically my first convention. Just the overall atmosphere, the experience, how excited people are get. Like there's so many cool things you can do. I don't think anyone can go to Gen Con and experience all of it. You have to pick and choose the types of things you do. Now that said, my thing is the vendor hall, but there's so many other things. There's so many family-friendly events. There's so many, so many things that you can get into at at Gen Con that I probably don't even know about. The other thing I want to check out actually is the um playtesting hall. They have yeah. a they have a you can buy tickets to basically go play test and like give feedback on games. I do like doing that. You have to, you have to buy tickets to go into there? Yeah. Yeah. You have to pay for it. Pay to work. Pay to work. That's how the world is, man. Pass. Yeah, a hard no from Natasha. <laughs> you couldn't pay me to do that <laughs> at least i think you got to pay for it the last time i remember it's been a it's been a second so i would think they would be paying people you would i mean they probably should you know pay pe- for people's input but i don't think that i don't think that's how that works <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pay for everything in gen con you do you have to pay a demo a lot of these games yep that's a little mm. but i mean i get it they're so busy and that's how you can kind of reserve a spot but yeah, we'll see. This might be my only time going. Well, I don't know. I'm excited about the the energy. I feel like it's going to be high energy, and that'll be really fun. I'm excited to see all the new games. I'm excited about that. And then, of course, we set time out to demo games that we like, and we're, we bought um, passes to get into the, the library Friday night and Saturday night. So we'll get some time together to play games. So that'll be good. Yep. And everyone's we're bringing some games to play, and I'm sure everyone's going to buy at least a few Oh, if that I guarantee you, if World Wonders is available and I can get a copy on it, I'll probably get it. Yeah, then we can play like that. It, yeah. The uh, so to clarify, the first exposure playtest hall, which is where you're going to be doing those, it is free. You have to get tickets, but the tickets are free. Okay. So, okay, so you do good. not have to actually pay for them. I'm I'm excited about Forges of Raven Ravenshire that game because you demoed that one, but that one's not out. You can't buy it yet, anyways. No, and the, I didn't put it on this list because I'm already excited about it. Like I've already seen it. I don't need to demo it again. It's the game looks the game looks cool. So I'm hoping there's enough in there that it'll be fun for continuous continuous plays. All right, well that is uh, that is what I'm looking forward to at uh, Gen Con checking out in the vendor hall. All right, I'm kind of getting excited looking at all these cool titles coming out. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm I'm excited to go. It's been a few years, and I've been chomping at the bit to get back. I'm finally going back. I'm excited. All right. Well, thanks for listening to our shenanigans. Join us next week where we're going to go through my list of, to- of Gen Con things that I'm excited about. Please let- help us out by giving us a review and liking us on Instagram or Facebook. And send us your comments or questions to boardgameshenanigans at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See you next week.